Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. The topic for this episode is factors associated with faster axial elongation after orthokeratology treatment. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Dave Kading, our topical expert, Dr. Safal Kanal, and our topical lead editor, Dr. Andrew Pucker. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's broadcast. Well, thank you for joining us today for the uh, uh, clinical podcast series. We're excited to be sharing with you some uh, interesting research on uh, myopia management and uh, in orthokeratology, axial length, soft lenses, soft multifocals, atropine, and all the other great stuff that's happening in myopia management. I am very honored to be joined by uh, Dr. Saval Kanali. And uh, he is really uh, leading the world in some of the knowledge that we have here. And I'm excited to get to have him as a guest to talk with us a little bit. Thank you, Dr. Kanal, for, for joining us for this, uh, for this episode. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you, uh, you uh, are at the University of Alabama. Is that correct? Give us a little brief uh, overview of what you're doing. So uh, I'm, I'm a faculty in the School of Optometry at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Um, here at UAB, I run uh, myopia research program uh, focused on basic and clinical myopia research. Uh, my lab works with both uh, animal models and humans. Uh, and really the focus is to understand uh, mechanisms of uh, myopia development and progression and also to uh, investigate interventions uh, to, to prevent the onset and, and slow the progression of myopia in children. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know you've uh, had your fellowship in the academy, so we, uh, we appreciate your contributions. But today we're focusing on a publication um, that's uh, called Factors Associated with a a Faster Axial Elongation after orthokeratology treatment. And such an important topic here is because I do ortho-K in my clinic and I'm always kind of curious, are there things that would you know, push people to go faster or slower? Can you give us a, a 30 second overview of the background of this paper that you're reviewing? Well, I found this paper directly relevant to ODs uh, practicing myopy management because uh, it, it addresses various factors that may be associated, uh, as you said, with the rate of axial elongation in children uh, undergoing orthokeratology treatment for myopia control. Orthokeratology, as you know, as you, we know, is one of the most effective interventions uh, out there to slow myopia progression in children. But uh, and, and we also know that the average efficacy is around 50%. But this average efficacy does not necessarily always translate to clinical practice. Oftentimes, yeah. children treated with ortho-K lenses can, slow, can show less than the desired efficacy and still can show a faster rate of axial elongation. So this presents a dilemma as to how to predict uh, which child in the treatment chair is going to respond well and which child won't respond well. That's where this paper provides useful information about some of the factors that could be important in, in considering uh, which kids are going to respond 
less optimally and which kids are going to progress uh, faster even when they are being treated with yeah. orthopedics. Yeah. Well, what did you find were some of the key, key findings of the article that really kind of struck you as being important? Well, this was a retrospective study uh, in which the authors reviewed uh, records from about 73 children undergoing orthokeratology treatment uh, for one year. They collected baseline data on several demographic and ocular factors such as age, gender, parental myopia, refractive error, and so on. And they looked at the association of these baseline factors with the excellent change after one year of treatment. They found that uh, factors associated with, with fa uh, faster axial elongation were low baseline myopia, a high degree of parental myopia, um, and also younger age at onset of treatments. Uh, these factors, uh, to a large extent, are also consistent with the natural progression of myopia in, in right. children. Um, and so this paper has shown that, has shown that uh, these determinants are also true for children being treated with orthokalensis. Um, and, and younger children, those with low myopia and, and, and both, my, both parents myopic, appear to show a faster rate of axial elongation. Uh, and older children with moderate myopia and, and one or no myopic parents appear to show a slow rate of uh, axial elongation yeah. when they are treated with orthokalensis. Yeah, you know, I think the, the key takeaway from that, that's a, a, a fantastic overview, is that in clinical practice, if I was to start a 15-year-old and to start a 7-year-old uh, on treatment, um, you know, I would expect the, the younger child to progress faster. And that's kind of what the studies showed is that, you know, as kids would progress faster at a younger age or both parents having myopia, we would just expect that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the treatment isn't working. It's just we would anticipate that that axial elongation would progress with or without orthokeratology at the same rate. Is that kind of your takeaway from that? Absolutely. Um, because these uh, factors seem to be so consistent with the natural progression of myopia, uh, whether the child is being treated or not, it, it seems that these factors are equally important. Younger child will progress faster uh, regardless of uh, being treated with orthokalensis or not. Yeah. Uh, but but obviously that rate of elongation with the treatment is going to be less than without treatment. Yeah, I, I don't know that it does, but I'm curious from your perspective, do you think that this paper guides us any way to select patients for different treatments? Does this mean that we shouldn't do or should do, or does it not really affect the decision of fitting kids in ortho K based on their age? Well, uh, as we discussed, uh, well, this paper has basically identified certain factors that could be related to excellent genes after orthokeratology treatment. And these factors are younger age at onset, uh, low magnitude of myopia, and a strong parental history of myopia. So essentially a subset of children, which we normally classify as high-risk children anyway, uh, these high-risk children may show a faster rate of axial elongation even with orthokate treatment. So th uh, these children may actually benefit from a more aggressive form of myopia management. Uh, for example, no. combining ortho-K with, uh, with myopia control spectacles or even low-dose uh, atropine eye drops. Right, yeah. Now, something that was a little bit, you know, 
peculiar in this study was that there were nine, I believe is nine eyeballs or nine patients where their axial length actually got shorter. Um, how can an eye get shorter? And uh, is this related to the eye shape or what are your thoughts? Well, well, the question of uh, whether eyes can actually get shorter is an interesting one. Um, the commonly held belief is that once an eye elongates, uh, it is very difficult to then get the eye to shorten. But from time to time, we see reports, including this one, that show regression of axial length in, in, in some children undergoing uh, myopia control treatments. We usually see this in a small proportion of children, and is it, mm -hmm. it is easy to overlook uh, this when, when looking at the average efficacy. Uh, but even in clinical trials, uh, there are always a handful of children that show negative axial length change, suggesting uh, shortening of eyes. The question is, how could uh, the eyes shorten? And, and of course, changes in ocular components such as coral thickness or uh, central corneal thickness could lead to axial length shortening. But the amount of changes in coral thickness and central corneal thickness uh, are usually small. And, and as reported in this paper, the magnitude of uh, axial length shortening cannot be explained by these factors alone. So uh, whether these are real changes or not remains to be seen, but at least in animal models, we see that eyes can actually shorten in, in, in response to uh, myopic defocus conditions. So one hypothesis of these authors is that perhaps the orthokey lenses changed the shape from a prolate to a more oblate uh, shape. Uh, so that's, uh, that's how maybe the, the central axis got shorter but uh, really, the this is uh, this speculation uh, really needs further investigation. Yeah, yeah, and this is probably in a subgroup who didn't, you know, did uh, was uh, didn't progress much in their axial length from a, an elongation standpoint anyway, and so maybe that corneal flattening possibly could have had some part of this. Well, it's certainly a very interesting paper. Uh, I appreciate you uh, giving us an overview of it. Uh, any last closing thoughts, anything to add? Well, I just want to add that with any treatment, there are always going to be children who are who respond well to the treatment and there are yeah. non-responders. So looking at the baseline factors and trying to gauge the risk profile of each and every children is going to be important in making sure that uh, the treatment uh, we administer is making a difference uh, to their MIPA profile. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we sure appreciate you uh, being on the clinical podcast series. Thank you for your contribution to the Academy. And uh, we're, we're really looking forward to some of your research and, and your work coming out as well. And thank you, the listener, for joining us for this clinical podcast series. Make sure to stay tuned for future episodes. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen. Thank you.